you're listening to Monday's Law and Gospel, except it's Wednesday, because Monday we were off for Memorial Day, but you did hear about the reading that's coming up this Sunday, Mark chapter 3, but today we're going to do another reading on this June the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2021. We're going to look at the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 3. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we wanted to take a look at this because it's such an important passage. It necessitates the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the reading itself is Genesis 3, beginning with verse 8. It, it, It says, therefore, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. But you need to know what happened just before that. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 to begin with. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? Now, that's kind of interesting because a serpent is talking. I had a professor at Concordia Seminary before the walkout who taught that the serpent cannot speak because he doesn't have vocal cords. Well, obviously God permitted the serpent to speak because he's God. But who is this serpent? Nowhere in the entire Old Testament are we told who the serpent is. It's not that we get until we get to the book of Revelation that the serpent is identified as Satan himself. So this is Satan in the form of a serpent talking to Eve. And he always begins with a question. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree, of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, every time we sin, we always add something to what God has said. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says that they cannot touch it, but they shall not eat it, lest you die. Now, what's Satan going to do with that? The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent says, you will not die, which, of course, Eve understands to mean that her body would die. But instead, she will be like God. Every sin we do is an attempt to be like God. I cannot think of a sin that doesn't break the first commandment. 
thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, what sin is, is us pretending to be God and doing what our will wants to be done rather than God's will. And so that's what this is talking about. So, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was a delight in the eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband. Now, this next phrase is important. Who was with her? And he ate. In other words, Adam was not somewhere else in the garden. He was standing beside her. And when the serpent said what he said, Adam was silent. Now, that says a lot about what's going to happen in the verses we're going to be looking at. And so both of them ate of the fruit. It's of some interest that she has three reasons why she eats of the fruit. It was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. And the tree was desired to make one wise. That That's kind of the three temptations that Jesus had. Remember the devil said, you can make bread out of these stones. And then he said, you can also be ruler over all of the earth I will give you. And then he said, jump down from the pinnacle of the temple. Because that was a thinking that that would be the Messiah and he would not have to die. So, in comparison to Eve, Jesus had similar temptations, but he rejected all of them. Eve and Adam did not. Then it says, verse 7, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So that was a result of sin coming to them, that they were now embarrassed as to their nakedness and tried to cover it. Well, loincloths would have come from some leaves, and it was fig leaves that they had put together. And of course, you know how long that's going to last in the sun. And that's when we get to the reading for this coming Sunday. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, that was something that God did each day. He would come and they would have a conversation. Adam, Eve, and God. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, when you look at the original Greek, and you can even tell from some English translations, 
hearing the sound of the Lord and hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. The word Lord is written in English in capital letters, which refers to the name of God that Moses received on Mount Sinai at the burning bush. It's Yahweh. I am who I am. And we know that at the burning bush, that Lord was none other than Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. Because it says, and the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses. So it's quite possible this is Jesus himself walking among the trees of the garden, but Adam and Eve hid themselves. And how did, he, how did they hide themselves? Among the trees of the garden. See, that's another result of sin. When we sin, we do not believe the attributes of God. And one of the attributes of God is that he is omnipresent. What does that mean? He's present everywhere. And we're talking not only everywhere in the garden, but also in the past, in the present, in the future. God knows all things. You cannot hide from God. There is no place to hide. But that's what they try to do, to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, the word for Lord is Yahweh, but the word for God is also in the plural, Elohim, rather than the singular El. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you recall earlier in Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. So the fact that the word God is in the plural shows that there are more than one person, three persons. But it's always followed by a verb in the singular. So when God speaks, the Lord God, that's plural, called to the man, and the word for call is in the singular, as though it's just one calling to the man. That's how we get the doctrine of the Trinity, three in one. And he said to him, where are you? Now, don't think that that means that God doesn't know where they are. Jesus shows a number of questions that he knows the answer to, but he wants to see the response on the part of his disciples. Remember that one question? Who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some think you're Elijah, some think you're John the Baptist, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you didn't get that from yourself, Peter. 
God told you that. So you think that Peter has real faith that from the Old Testament, the son of the living God is none other than Jesus. Take a look at Daniel 7, many other passages, and that he has come to earth in order to be crucified. That, that says in Psalm 22, pierced in hands and feet. But when Jesus tells them they're going to Jerusalem and he is going to be crucified and killed, in other words, he will die, Peter says, no, I'll protect you. And what does Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. So here, just as Satan speaks through the serpent, so Satan speaks through Peter. And he is telling Peter, no, you don't want to lose the Lord. So say that you'll be with him, you'll protect him, and he will not be taken into custody. In fact, Peter even tries to stop that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes a sword, and when he strikes the servant of the high priest, Malchus, he cuts off his ear. What does Jesus do? He replaces his ear and heals him and tells Peter, Peter, if I so desired, legions of angels could come down and protect me. But he needs to fulfill the promises of God to go to Jerusalem and be put to death. So the Lord God calls, where are you? And it says he calls to the man. Now, that is from the very beginning that when God created male and female, the male was to be head of the household. He had the responsibility of seeing that the rest of the family follows the will of God. Now, when Cain and Abel were born, it's clear that Abel did often follow the will of God from the teaching of Adam and Eve, but Cain did not. And that's why Cain killed Abel, because he was jealous of Abel. And he didn't like the idea that God appreciated Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's sacrifice. So at any rate, God says, where are you? Verse 10 of Genesis 3. And he said, now this would be Adam. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, that's how we often feel when we do a sin. We try not only hide the sin from other people, but we think we're hiding it from God, that we're hiding ourselves from the way we truly are. And that's why it's important to hear the law, because the law, as you go through, for example, the commandments, we break every one of them, if not by deed, by thought, or by word. And yet we think we're hiding ourselves from God. So God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, all that Adam had to say was, yes, 
we did, and I repent of that. But what does he do? Verse 12, the man said, the woman who you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Now, who is Adam really blaming? I want to read that again. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Adam is really blaming God. If you hadn't given me this woman, I was fine. I had a lot of friends in the Garden of Eden. I enjoyed the animals. I was sinless. And not until you gave me this woman who, what she did, she led me into sin, gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. We, even as Christians, often blame God. How many times can a pastor tell you that somebody comes to him, this has happened in my life, and they'll say, what did I do to deserve this? That, that's actually another religion that believes in what we call karma. You get what you deserve. Now, it's no doubt that you get bad consequences from your sin, but that is to wake you up to the need of a savior. God isn't just in the sense that only those who are good are going to heaven. Even if you're a sinner, but believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be going to heaven. So God is not to be blamed for the circumstances that we put ourselves in. But that's what Adam is doing. The woman you gave to me, she gave me fruit. So the Lord God says to the woman, what is this that you have done? You see, God recognizes that he's not responsible for sin. We may think he is. But he says to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman, she says, the servant deceived me and I ate. Now, at first glance, you may think, well, the woman is saying that she was deceived by the serpent. But who permitted the serpent into the Garden of Eden? It was God. And so she could have said, the serpent who you put in the garden, he deceived me and I ate. So God has spoken to the man. He's spoken to the woman. Now he speaks to the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, verse 14, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So the first evil consequence of the serpent is that they will crawl on the ground. That, that's why I believe many people are afraid of serpents. 
And when you think about that, it's they're crawling on the ground. Now, are, are you saying did the serpents have legs before they could stand up? No, there are certain serpents that even today can raise themselves up. Uh, a cobra, for example. And so who knows how they were able to get around before the fall, but now they crawl on their belly. So the first consequence is a physical one. But now we come to the spiritual consequence. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, the you is referring to the serpent, but not just as a snake, but who the serpent stands for. It represents Satan himself. I will put enmity between you and the woman. I will put hatred between you and the woman and between your offspring and what's next and her offspring. Now, what's interesting is that word offspring, is it in the singular or is it in the plural? It's kind of the word seed. When you come up to somebody and say, I have seed in my hand, they don't know whether you have just one piece of seed or if you have a handful of seed. You can't tell from the word seed. But in the Hebrew, you can tell. When God says between your offspring, that's in the plural. And her offspring, that's in the singular. So already we have a promise that from Eve will come seed and there will be hatred between those who follow the devil and between her offspring, her seed, singular, namely Jesus. And that's clear from the next part of the verse 15. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what that means is, yes, the Savior Jesus will be wounded by Satan through the people who crucified him. Jesus is wounded. But in the process, he wounds the head of the serpent. You want to kill a serpent? You attack its head. And that's what Jesus does. So though he is wounded in the heel, the serpent is wounded in the head. And to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now that rule, if you take a look at the passages in marriage, isn't that Adam is the boss and whatever he says, she has to follow. No, it's Adam is a representative of God, just as the serpent was a representative of Satan. And because Adam listened to the voice of his wife 
and eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, because it's going to bring thorns and thistles. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the death that Jesus was talking about, if they ate of the tree, was not what Satan was giving the impression that they would die immediately, but they would die and lose the life of righteousness that God had given them. And that righteousness is restored through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why this is such an important story. If you have any questions on it, you may want to email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Tomorrow will be a time I will be glad to answer any questions sent to me through emails. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.